In today's current age, diversity and representation are major topics. So major that when Disney made the announcement back in 2019 that actor Simu Liu of the Canadian comedy Kim's Convenience was announced to portray the Asian Marvel superhero Shang-Chi, it was met with major fanfare. But for me, it raised the question. Questions of why is this important news? What took so long? And is this overall good for the Asian community? In the music industry, we see white, black, and Latino artists break out and become world-renowned, and only recently have Asians been able to grab the limelight. There are multiple answers to these questions. We'll delve into topics such as media perception of Asians, the importance of YouTube, and cultural reasonings, along with the current job market. I'm your host, RJ Bagus, and this is Where are the Asians At? A deep dive into Asian Americans and Asians in the music industry and overall entertainment industry. Being of Asian descent, myself being Filipino, growing up in the late 90s, early 2000s was very similar to other Asian Americans. I was one of those kids where TV was my best friend. It was an escape. Watching TV from ages two to four was a pastime, but I began noticing something. And later on in my adolescence, I realized I didn't see myself in the entertainment industry, but also in the music industry. There are only three times I remember seeing myself in the media. Dewey Trang, who played Trini in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as the Yellow Ranger, Harry Takayama from Full House, played by Nathan Nishiguchi. And 1998's Mulan from Disney, with the rendition of Reflections by the Queen of Filipino Singers, Leia Salonga, who has other great singing roles for Disney, including Jasmine from the 1996 film, Aladdin. Nothing against these great productions, but at the same time, the level of cultural appropriation in these projects is something to note. A lot of them automatically write off characters as Chinese or Japanese, but Asia is built up of 48 separate countries made up of many different cultures. Cultural appropriation can be talked in a whole other podcast, but we'll talk about two examples for now. The first is culture not costume, and the second is disrespect to one's language. The former can be shown in University of Michigan's Sharon Hong in an article she wrote for Michigan Daily who spoke out against a American white high school senior back in 2018 who wore a traditional Chinese shipao to prom. As it got mixed reviews, many people were saying that they were appropriating a culture that was not theirs, and some saw no fault, quoting, she looks pretty, then why shouldn't she wear it? But Hong explains it's not the sense of right or wrong, 
It is the idea that appropriation has been a hot topic for the U.S. for many years and has a long history going back to blackface and the minstrel shows, as this leaves the door open and makes it almost alright to perpetuate stereotypes. The second example is the disrespect to one's language, alluding to the use of Asian characters from languages to create tattoos. According to HuffPost, in 2019, Ariana Grande, upon the release of her album Seven Rings, got a commemorative tattoo on her hand with two Japanese kanji, the first symbol meaning seven and the second symbol meaning rings. But upon but putting the two characters together changes its meaning. Upon further inspection from the internet, Grande is missing three additional characters to translate seven rings. Her tattoo actually translates to little barbecue. Even in the music industry, I don't remember hearing any Asians or Asian Americans on the radio or even on, on MTV at the time. The first time I ever heard music from an Asian musician was the not so popular but infamous William Hung from American Idol season three. Cheap bass, cheap bass. Oh baby, when she moves, she moves. I go crazy cause she looks like a flop, but she stings like a bee. Hung was genuinely trying to audition for American Idol Season 3, but the executives really tried him out for laughs, feeding into the stereotypes that Asians can only be the nerd or the comedic relief. And this brings up the idea of Asians in the media and how they're perceived in the media. Isabel Pender of Dominican University of California, in their article, The Marginalization and Stereotyping of Asians in American Film, states that Hollywood has a habit of indiscriminately casting any Asian actor in any Asian role, a Chinese actor portraying a Korean actor or Korean character, and vice versa, giving the idea that Asians are just indistinguishable because of their skin color or their physical features. A great example is the type of roles that men and women get in the, in the industry. Women tend to get Dragon Lady or China Doll or Damsel in Distress, while men are stripped of their masculinity, turned into the nerds, the comedic relief, and even the Kung Fu Masters. Pander also uses the infamous term of model minority, as Asians are taken as intelligent, hardworking, and ambitious which does more harm than good in my opinion, as it really puts us into a box that we can't really be perceived out of. And then, a site called YouTube came into our lives. Established in 2005, it started out as a site where people could just share their videos with anyone and everyone. It's videos like Numa Numa. And the very famous Charlie Bit My Finger. Just to name a few viral videos when viral wasn't even a term yet. In 2003, Philip Wang, Wesley Chan, and Ted Fu would start Wang Fu Productions, a digital film company committed to telling stories written, acted, and produced by Asian Asian Americans, gaining over 3 million subscribers currently on YouTube today. Here's a soundbite from their series, Just a Nice Guy. Don't even think about it, Nick. You're gonna get screwed. Girls put every guy they know into two letters. The guys that are their friends and would never date, and the guys that they do like and would date. 
Up until then, the leading role of a romantic comedy series would never be an Asian guy. But Wang Fu really pushed the limits there. Another great Asian American YouTuber is Ryan Higa, also known as Niga Higa. With a growing audience of 21 million subscribers, Higa is mostly known for his skits laying into Asian stereotypes, with videos like How to Be Ninja, along with other how-to videos spoofing off Asian stereotypes, pushing the idea of making fun of yourself before anyone else could. Who, me? Yeah, you. God. Want to learn how to defend yourself? Yeah. Aren't you tired of bullies picking on you all the time? Mm-hmm. Well then, How to Be Ninja is a DVD for you. Ah. This DVD includes your two very own personal trainers. Hello, everyone. My name is Harate Wakuso Shiseo Tadashite Teriyaki Suzuki Honda Civic. Hello, my name is Bob. The first lesson in being a ninja is to make loud, unnecessary sounds when you hit things. Very similar to Higa would be Jimmy Wong's Ching Chong Aces in the Library song, which in itself is a spoof of a video made by, at the time, UCLA student Alexandra Wallace's Asians in the Library from 2011. According to Christine Barraquesa Balance's article, How It Feels to Be Viral Me, Effective Labor and Asian American YouTube Performance, Wallace's video goes like this. So we know that I'm not the most politically correct person, so don't take this offensively. I don't mean it towards any of my friends. I mean it towards random people that I don't even know in the library. So, you guys are not the problem. The problem is, these hordes of Asian people that UCLA accepts into our school every single year, which is fine. Which brings me to my next point. Hi. In America, we do not talk on our cell phones in the library. Where Every five minutes, I will be, okay, not five minutes, say like 15 minutes. I'll be like deep into my studying, into my political science theories and arguments and all that stuff, getting it all down, like typing away furiously, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, when I'm about to like reach an epiphany, over here from somewhere, oh! Here's Wong's response video. And then all of a sudden, when I'm about to like reach an epiphany, over here from somewhere, oh, Ching Chong Ling Long Ting Tong, oh. Greetings, Alexandra Warris. I am not the most politically correct person, so. Please, do not find offensive. Thank you. Ooh, Alexandra Wallace. Damn, girl, you so feisty. You so feisty, they should call you Alexandra Great Wall Ace. Now don't pretend I didn't see you watching me talk on my phone yesterday. All sexy. Ching Chong Wing Wong. Baby, it's all just code. It's the way I tell the ladies. It's time to get funky. One day you can meet my mother, my brother, sisters, grandmothers, grandpas, and cousins. Oh, cause what they're really doing on those Friday nights is showing me how to cook and dress. Cause baby, I wanna take you out and blow your freaking mind. And underneath the pounds of makeup 
and your baby blue eyes I know there's a lot of pain and hurt for such a big brain to spend all night studying poli-sci I pick up my phone and say Ching Chong It means I love you Ling Long I really want you Ting Tong The idea of Asians flipping the stereotypes back on people will be touched on later with another artist. The last Asian-American YouTuber I want to introduce you is Kevin Wu, Kev Jumba. Personally, he's the first YouTuber I ever encountered. Wu's vlog-style videos have gained 2 million subscribers, mainly talking about the struggles of being Asian in Texas. and there's one thing I really hate and that is stereotypes. As an Asian, I have to deal with stereotypes all the time. There are three main stereotypes that I have to deal with. People think I'm cheap, people think I'm a nerd who stays at home and plays Pokemon, and people think I have no social life. Who's this slanty-eyed kid? Oh my god, I hate him! But guess what? Guess what? Asians don't have slanty eyes. See? See? Not slanty, big, big eyes. Ah. Okay, maybe I don't have big eyes, but let me tell you, I am not cheap, nerdy, and I do have a social life. You think I'm cheap? Then why, why would I have this brand new, top of the line, TI-84 calculator? But then that would make me nerdy, huh? Though these YouTubers are not musicians, their presence is similar to how Asian-American producer Apollo Hill in a talk at University of California Fulton when talking about Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan who, quote, kicked down the door for Asian people in the industry. In the early 2000s, these three YouTube channels inspired many Asian-American musicians to start posting their own original music along with covers of established songs. At the 2010 San Francisco International Asian American Film Festival, a panel entitled Changing the Game, YouTube Legends, and the Future of Online Media, we hear the struggles of Wang, Higa, Wu, and rapper-comedian Tim Delaghetto, Chantaransu, and how they, in their words, got famous. Most of the panel went to YouTube to just share and had no intentions of making a career out of their content. But for Chantaransu, he was looking to make a career out of his comedic rap stylings. <laughs> I, well, I, the whole being famous thing, I, I've kind of, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but I've, I've always kind of wanted to be famous. I knew I, I wanted to be like a performer when I was younger, and I always did theater and then short films with my friends in high school. So when YouTube, when I found YouTube as like something where anybody could just upload any type of video and you know you could spread it around anywhere, I knew it would be a good way to just get my name out there and get my stuff out there and you know promote myself and try to try to make a name for myself any way that I could, you know, and it just seemed like it would be a good idea. Chantaransu's comedic stylings can be found in a cipher he did for World EMC with other rappers like Sci High the Prince, Kasky, and Rhapsody in 2014. Team back, 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 back. What's good? 
Tell me the day I get old. Traffic, you know what it is. Uh, check. Uh, said it's obvious. I heard that you was talking shit anonymous. Well, I karate punch your body guts into the audience. I kill shit. You probably won't acknowledge it, but I know how you pussies work. I'm the gynecologist. They see the joke and they think, man, he cheesy. But I got bars on the low, kind of like a speakeasy. Try to keep me down because I keep it so real, but I got a brain like a broken fridge. No chill. Renaissance man, Mr. Jack of all trades. Fresh off the top like tapers and ball fades. They looking down on me because I'm not too tall, but now I'm making headlines like my hat too small. You really must be sleeping if you ain't never seen me. I went from YouTube videos, now I'm on MTV. Now I'm the only Asian dude up on BET. Man, I feel out of this world. It's like I could BET, bitch. Get it? Even in the opening line, it's obvious I heard you talking shit anonymous with oh, well, I'll karate punch your body, guts into the audience. I kill shit. You probably won't acknowledge it. I know how you pussies work. I'm the gynecologist. It's subtle, but it's very funny. He also is one of the few YouTubers to make the jump from YouTube to TV when he got the call in 2014 to join the revival of Nick Cannon Presents Wild and Out and would stay on for eight seasons as the quote, a house Asian. For many people, they may see this as pandering or degrading, but in the upcoming sound bites, you'll see that Chan Taransu was not going to flounder under any racial hit. I went to your mom's house in Canada to see what was shaking. I made a squeal like a pig. Now that's Canadian bacon. I mean, the day an Asian gets inside of my mother, you have a better chance of being a driving instructor. Okay, check it out. Hey, hey. He made an Asian driving joke. Well, yeah, that's just fine, because your girl loves getting smashed from behind. In this first clip, Chantaransu is rapping against Corey Sharon. Chantaransu goes in for the first hit, alluding to having sex with Sharon's mom, calling it Canadian bacon, a reference to Sharon's homeland of Canada. Sharon retaliates with a Asian driving stereotype, and Chantaransu leans in with, quote, making an Asian driving joke? Yeah, that's just fine, because your girl loves getting smashed from behind. A simple innuendo to sex. Another joke from the show will hit some Asian nerves, as this improv game requires impressions of celebrities as if they were leaving a voicemail greeting. Chan Taransu is playing North Korean leader Kim Jong Un. No need to email me, I already hacked your <laughs> So, go ahead and leave a message after the bomb. I mean, beat. But enough comedy. Let's get into the music. Next, a full song from Chantaransu. A song they wrote for his now wife, Chia Habate, for the wedding. Here's No Distance by Tim Chantaransu. I now officially pronounce you husband and wife you may kiss the bride yeah. 
Who would've thought we would've ended up here? When we started, they all doubted that we make it a year. But now it's clear. I asked the Lord to give me a sign. So then he sent to me my destiny. You meant to be mine. I was like, oh, hello. Extended my hand. Then you hit me with that curve and I did not understand. I said, damn. That wasn't part of the plan. But I was never gonna stop until you call me your man. Cause in my... You a letter said the weather wasn't better And I told you you was looking fine And eventually you sent for me on Facebook When you messaged me I knew that I was on your mind So then I clicked on your pic And put you on my wish list I never been the type of dude to go for that long distance But what's a flight, what's a train, what's a bus When I could close my eyes to nap and open them to us It seemed like a fantasy Something like a dream to me How we could pack a bag or two And switch up all the scenery But they all thought we had the craziest goals Cause you always had to lead to that Canadian cold And the hardest part about it Wasn't even all the flying it was turn around and leaving even when I see you crying But I never had a doubt that we would be together someday So I just bought your ass a ticket, it's a one way, yeah at the altar i knew you still be mine back and forth across the border we done crossed so many times your boy is at the game situation not the same stamps up on my passport immigration know my name so hey welcome to the usa why don't you take your shoes off i was thinking you could stay we've been chilling here in the atmosphere but now you're finally home baby let down your hair yeah This song, he makes so many jokes and quips about his relationship to Habate and how they made long distance work. Today, Chantaransu and Habate are awaiting the birth of their first baby, and Chantaransu is still making videos and music with his business partner David So, who we will touch on in other episodes. shadow boxing and the Wu-Tang sword style. If what you say is true, the Shaolin and the Wu-Tang could be dangerous. Do you think your Wu-Tang sword can defeat me? On guard, I'll let you try my Wu-Tang style. Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the mother, bring the motherfucking ruckus! Bring the motherfucking ruckus! That was Bring the Ruckus by Wu-Tang Clan, who is the perfect tra transition from comedic style rapping to harder styles of rapping. The idea of Asian Asian Americans being in the hip-hop scene is very foreign, 
but there's another hip-hop artist by the name of Jonathan Park, dumbfounded. Hailing from Korea, from the Korean town neighborhood of Los Angeles, Park, in my opinion, is the Eminem to, Ch- to Chantaransu's Will Smith. Park has a hard style that would make you believe he grew up in Compton, California. Park made a name for himself in battle rapping, going up against big names like Reggie Conceited, Sergil. Here is a little excerpt from their battle for King of the Dot Entertainment. Yo, yo. Shout out to King of the Dot and OVO one time for flying out Jet Li on Aaliyah Jet cause little Romeo must die. Yo. Yo, my last battle was Battle of the Bay Five. That was five years ago, when I was yay high. Yo, I feel paranoid on a yay high, cause with these cameras, this host, and this little pussy, am I on Dateline? Yo, I could kill you in six seconds, I should just make vines, let's save time, just save time. Yo, he's probably gonna say some Asian shit, he's probably gonna say some Asian shit and pull out Shogun's Peking Duck, Chang Chang Chong, wait. Slow that down, did I accidentally diss you? I said pull out Shogun's peaking duck, ching chang chong. Yo, yo, that shit is easy as fuck. I don't like to slow it down. When I spit a line, I want y'all to know it now. Yo, you always over explain. You always over explain. That shit is overly done. Ain't y'all over it yet? Ironic, the shortest motherfucker's always trying to go over your head. Yo, how you that small? You look like a male Bratz doll. You know, I actually auditioned for Wildin' Out. Then I looked in the mirror and said, that's not what I'm about. They had me rhyme in a Chinese accent. I told them I'm from Koreatown. Then they asked the black guy next to me to wear a wig and a Medea gown. Y'all know him as conceited now. You're a D-list celebrity, I'd rather keep my integrity. I make more money in my sleep while you sleep with the enemy. Yo, I couldn't have bought my condo with condo. I got dumb money, and that's not a pun, dummy. Now I got young money for the artist fee, and you also got young money for modeling the cover of Carter Three. Look at his baby ass. his baby ass with his baby tats. <laughs> you buy your guns at Baby Gat. Your first job, you babysat. When you throw punches, it feel like baby deaths. Your favorite rapper is Baby Bash. That's not a punchline, that's real baby facts. It's all conceded, let's go! Listen here, dumbfounded. That's not me. Now you're going against the hoodie type. The gunner spit give you a bunch of tips. I ain't talking about good advice. Nigga, you ain't cooking me. The only thing you cook is rice. All right, which one of y'all is dumbfounded? Both you niggas look alike. this heated battle, Park takes the first strike, talking about Sergio's height and the fact that he has a baby face and the, t- and the fact that he sold out to Wild and Out. 
while Sergil steps up to Tantaransu, who was in the crowd, and proceeds to make a joke about how all Asians look alike. Believe it or not, these childish rap battles led Park to getting an invite from TED Talk to do a talk about how battle rapping has changed his life in March 2020. Instead of me trying to paraphrase what Park can say, I'll let Park say it himself. I see some homies here who came to my TED Talk. I'm glad y'all could take some time away from getting stoned and playing Xbox. I tried to dress up a little, but they were closed at the turtleneck spot, and I'm trying to party after this, so I just dressed up for the next spot. Y'all are looking at me like I can't believe they booked them. I'm looking at y'all like Reads of Malcolm Gladwell book once. They told me, look dumb, you might look dumb, but I told them I'm gonna make my mama proud like a good son. I'm gonna body Ted like a kid going to sleep on his waterbed. I'm gonna battle rap Ted Talk and genre bend. I'm a vet, I could do this with my eyes closed. I've been on Tinder for like five years, so what's another slideshow? <laughs> this is all freestyle, I don't even need rehearsing. If Ted was a real life person, he'd be a virgin. That's what I would say. That's what, a quick demonstration of how I would battle Ted if he was a real life person. <laughs> but he's not, so don't be offended. No one got hurt. Uh, <laughs> when I was 15 years old, I ran, uh, went through a bunch of terrible rap names until I landed on Dumbfounded. Yeah, that was the best option somehow. <laughs> I was a teenager searching for his identity, and I happened to find it in hip hop, specifically battle rap. I was this skinny, nerdy class clown who would get bullied a lot, and uh, I mixed my love for hip hop and comedy to avoid getting beat up. I would verbally destroy my bullies and always had the last laugh, and then got beat up after. Uh, <laughs> whoever said sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me was bullshit, because that shit definitely could hurt you. Uh, I loved hip hop. It was raw, unfiltered, and it was unapologetically black, which actually helped me become unapologetically Asian. But before all of that, you know, I, I wasn't proud to be Asian. It wasn't necessarily that I was ashamed to be Asian. I didn't understand what it meant to be Asian. So after I became the best battle rapper in my high school, you know, I, I was feeling myself, and my friend told me about this like open mic in South Central Los Angeles called Project Bloat. This was in a legendary neighborhood of Lamert Park, and it, this was home to the best rappers in the city of Los Angeles. Even people from out of town and rappers from out of town would come here. This was a weekly open mic to test their skills. So me being a young, cocky, arrogant rapper that I was, stepped up and battled the first guy I saw there, and I instantly got destroyed. It was humbling, a little bit traumatizing, and it made me go back to the drawing board. You know, this place didn't care if you were Asian, brown, black, or white. They just cared if you were whack or tight, you know? And um, this is where, you know, battle rap taught me humility. You can listen to the rest of Park's TED Talk on YouTube. But Park's music really speaks to his stylings and his ways of being straightforward with his rhymes and writing. We're going to listen to two excerpts from Park. One is from his first published hit from YouTube that was published on January 2nd, 2010, which currently has 800,000 views. This is Different Galaxies by Dumbfounded featuring Sam Ock. She 
She was from the other side of the train tracks A classic Taylor Romeo and Juliet playback I was from the city, the inner part She was from the hills, attending fancy dinner parties But still, we managed to see each other I had a weekly bus pass She has a Mercedes C-Class And trust it was much faster I am a rapper, she is a classic pianist I sleep in boxers while she has a pair of fancy pajamas When we're together, both the social status don't even matter We should just go to Nevada Get married and don't ever look back She was the classiest sassy with a passion for fashion Sets fashion on any of those nasty ass hood rats Uncomparable, but only if her parents approved Maybe they got something against Asian American dudes Just playing, either way I'm saying it's just terrible news Can't give you 14 carrots, but can serenade you with tunes You and me, we are two stars from different galaxies Will we cross or be alive? I guess that we'll see inside I swig on 40 ounces, she sips on champagne She has a huge backyard, I do the landscaping It's a very cute song. Taking the classics like like Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet and flipping it to a modern interpretation is just the right amount of mass appeal that anyone could get lost in Ox vocals but will listen intently to Park's rhymes. This shows a level of cross-promotion between YouTubers at the time, and we'll touch on that in later episodes. But now we're going to move on to Park's most recent release, Cafe Blue, and the song titled... Weird. Let's go out, let's do something. Let's get high, go in public. Go get lost in the moment. If you trust me, you'll love it. Yeah, let's get weird. Yeah, let's get weird. Middle fingers high to the basic. I know you tired of the same shit, ain't ya? I turn a boring ass night to a banquet. What's a dollar when you feel Ben Franklin? Baby, don't be a worrier. I'ma make you a warrior. I'ma give you tutorials on a state of euphoria. Took a bean, now I'm seeing like three or four of your life is in choreo. Go and live in notorious and dance to your own beat, yeah. First time hitting OG, damn. But you seem like an OG where you ain't let the smoke leave. I'm a low key stand. Yeah, let's get weird. Let's go trip. Don't trip, I'm here It's all we have right now, right here And when we're done, hope things ain't weird Let's go out, let's do something Let's get high, go in public Go get lost in the moment If you trust me, you'll love it Yeah, let's get weird In this song, Park is really putting us through a loop With inconsistent guitar strums and drums that are everywhere And it forces you to listen in and listen again and again. In the very first lyric, middle fingers high to the basic, this really sums up the enigma that is Park. As popular music really doesn't have room for Asian artists or Asian hip hop artists. We'll get into more details about that about that after we cover the last two prominent Asian American artists I wanna talk about today.
sunshine in the rain My Tylenol when I'm in pain, yeah Let me tell you what she means to me Like a tall glass of lemonade When it's burning hot on summer days She's exactly what I need She's soothing like The ocean rushing on the sand She takes care of me, baby And she helps me be a better man She's so beautiful Sometimes I stop to close my eyes She's exactly what I need She's my smile when I'm feeling blue She's my good night's sleep when the day is through, yeah Let me tell you what she means to me She's kinda like this Kinda like the feeling after your first kiss Except that every day she makes me feel like this She's exactly what I need Oh yeah She's soothing like The ocean rushing on the sand She takes care of me, baby She helps me be a better man She's so beautiful Sometimes I stop to close my eyes She's exactly what I need yeah. She's soothing like The ocean rushing on the sand She takes care of me, baby She helps me be a better man She's so beautiful Sometimes I stop to close my eyes She's exactly what I need She's exactly what I You just listened to Jeremy Passion's Lemonade. Passion, being from San Francisco, grew up in a big Filipino family with a brother who was special needs. Turning to music to help his brother, Passion had a knack for music and writing cute songs. Lemonade is an acoustic R&B song, making use of what he had at the time. This song has gained a major popularity on YouTube and Spotify. Although the original video back in 2004 is no longer on Passion's YouTube channel, the 10-year anniversary video made back in 2014 has 4.5 million views and 58 million streams on Spotify. Unofficially, this song has become the Filipino national anthem, according to the newest social media trend, TikTok. Please rise for our national anthem. Sunshine in the rain My Tylenol when I'm in pain, yeah Oh my god, are you Filipino? Huh? Uh, yeah, why? Can you do the thing? Uh, I'm sorry, the, the what? The thing, you know, the song 
She's my sunshine. Oh. Moving on from TikTok trends, another prominent Asian American artist is Jeff Burnett, who found success not only in the United States, but also in South Korea. Coming from Reno, Nevada, the Filipino R&B artist with smooth beats and soulful singing graced YouTube in 2009. Known for some covers, but mainly we're going to focus on his original work. At the start of the COVID-19 pandemic in 2020, he gained notoriety for his from his local news station, Colo 8, in Reno, Nevada. Covering Burnett's origins and other successes, here's the puff piece. A Reno-raised musician has put himself on the map, and now he's making the most of his time in quarantine due to COVID-19. With new information tonight, Colo 8 News Now's Mike Stephenson shares his talented story. Jeff Burnett's music career had humble beginnings in the biggest little city. I purchased my own equipment working at Wells Fargo at the call center over there. Recorded my first album, uh, and then I put it out in 2011, and it helped me quit my job, and I did music full time. Still in Reno, Burnett gained momentum alongside his right-hand man, producer Joel J. Bird Cow. But hitting the airwaves thousands of miles away is what really got things going. They used this one song from the album in a Korean drama, which was like a pretty big Korean drama. My album just blew up out there for like years. A surprising rapid rise to international fame for the Philippines-born artist. It's taken him all over Asia and more, where his silky smooth style is a hit. It was the last place I would expect my music to be, to be listened to. One, two, here we go. About not too long ago, I woke up feeling kind of blue. So and Jeff's latest jam, an ode to quarantine life, fittingly titled Bored. A whole lot of nothing. Just passing time, losing my mind. Everyone was like, this is exactly what I need right now. So I just, yeah, I put it out and... Uh, it's been just like a little quarantine song people can listen to. Despite record label offers, the 30-year-old who now lives in Los Angeles is still independent and wants to be someone other aspiring creatives can learn from. I just want to be like an example. I come from Reno and I come from a small town. I went to McQueen High School. Never be bored, bored doing nothing with you. Once you're passionate about something and you, you're a good person and you work hard, I feel like uh, things will align for you. Mike Stephenson, Colo 8 News Now. Smooth voice right there. Bernad also had a song featured in Birdman, the 2015 Academy Award winner for Best Picture. And if you're wondering the Korean drama that featured Bernat, it's titled You Are My Destiny. The next song we'll listen to is actually the song Call You Mine by Jeff Bernat which gave him all this success. I'm 
These four artists are just the tip of an iceberg of Asian, Asian American artists who just need society to change their perception of them. One thing that also binds them is the fact that these artists used unconventional methods for the time to get their music out to people. According to a recent study among millennials conducted by the Public Religion Research Institute in 2015, stated for Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter users were majority Asian American. To drive this statement, Grace Wang's book, Soundtrack of Asian America, Navigating Race Through Musical Performance, found that the artists mentioned earlier in this podcast were attempting to break the mold of classical music. 
as the music industry minority of Asians were primarily classically trained and not moving towards pop music. But for Chantaransu, Park, Passion, and Bernat, they wanted to negotiate racial and musical discourse that statued them on the outskirts of the U.S. popular music landscape. Wang answers the why YouTube question quite well, stating that YouTube creates authenticity and itself a construction and image which is no better or worse than any other, as it's a place where ordinary people to connect differentiating markets for traditional media. The disparity doesn't stop there. According to Victoria Norega's The Lack of Asian American Representation in American Pop Music for Pace University, she found in American Pop Music, Asian Americans only make 1.06% of artists as compared to 31.9% Black, 53% White, and 7.45% Foreign-Born Asians. Another reason why Asians are so late to the industry could be a cultural thing as Asian America is growing from its first generation of immigrants. Many Asians took up day jobs as laborers in agriculture or opened up small businesses. An example would be Stockton, California's Little Manila neighborhood, home to the largest Filipino population outside the Philippines in the period after the Spanish-American War. Many Asians migrated to the U.S. in search of better living but only found racism and backbreaking work but were promised the American dream of owning land and moving up in society. This dream also led to the idea of building your family up towards better opportunities. The way to rise up was through academics, showing your brains over brawn. A quick example is another YouTube company, Just Kidding Films, and their video, Shit Asian Dad Say. Did you get good grade? You do good in school? Did you finish homework? My friend daughter born a doctor. Why you not doctor? Huh? Huh? And here's a quick clip from Family Guy, emphasizing the same exact idea. You doctor yet? No, Dad, I'm 12. Talk to me when you doctor! The idea of Asians in STEM jobs is a stereotype and is reflected in the current job market. According to the Peer Review Center in 2010, that found that Asians make up 5% of the U.S. population and 14% of them are employed in science and engineering fields, as opposed to Norega's research where Asian Americans only make up 1.06% in the music industry. To further this point, let's look at University of the Pacific in Stockton, California, a college where Asians make up 38% of the population at the university. According to the website Nationally, Pacific ranks 4th in dental administration, 59th in pharmaceutical training, 3rd in biology, and 7th in biological and civil engineering programs. But Pacific also promotes a well-known music program at the Conservatory of Music. It ranks in the top 15th percentile in the country, where only 10% of those students identify as Asian, so it's safe to say that the remaining 28% of Asians are going towards those STEM programs. But the Conservatory of Music can also boast 100% job placement after graduation for music education majors. But the other programs are amazing as well, with majors like Music Industry Studies program, which I am currently studying. I can count the amount of Asians in this program, which is nine, myself included. But a Music Industry Studies program is fairly new starting in 2015 under Keith Hatchuk, a well-known music industry author of books like 
how to get a job in the music industry, and the golden moment. It's understandable that a lot of Asian parents who grind at the bottom doing jobs that no one likes, like store clerk, agricultural worker, restaurant chef, dishwasher, mostly for small family businesses, would want their kids to be successful. But sometimes the idea of struggle is appealing. Building yourself up from square one is appealing. I can speak from personal experience that my dad is a dentist an alumnus of Pacific, class of 2001, where he wanted me to follow the family business, and his, but his story is something that is inspiring to me. He wasn't always a dentist here in the U.S. He was a dentist in the Philippines, but when he migrated to the U.S. in the 80s, he started off at square one. He was what he likes to call a dishwasher, sterilizing dental instruments at Pacific's Dagoni School of Dentistry and rose through the ranks from dishwasher to dental technician to dental assistant and then got the opportunity to study under Dr. Dagoni himself. Rest in peace. And he graduated in 2001 with his doctorate in dentistry. But for me, I'm here at his alma mater, but for entirely different reasons. Looking to kick the door down for other Asians in the music industry. If you're interested in listening to more about Asians in the music and entertainment industries, and to be introduced to more amazing Asian artists, keep listening and looking forward to future episodes of Where the Asians At. This podcast was written, edited, and performed by RJ Bagus. Music scored by Joseph Siwa, also known as Kaibutsu Beats. Song used in this podcast, When This Is All Over. Major thank you to Keith Hatchek, Victoria Wells, and Monica Schatzman for helping in the research of this podcast. If you want to know more, you can visit our link tree, l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash r-j-bagus, r-j-b-a-g-u-s. R-J-B-A-G-U-S.